Genesis 2.18 says, Then the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Hello, and welcome back to Think This Way. This is the podcast of Faith Bible Church. As always, I'm your host, Pastor Bryce. I have with me Pastor Andrew. Andrew Walden, thank you for being with us. Thank you for having me. And I mean, I always like to have you on here for a variety of reasons, but especially this quarter. It's almost like how last quarter we did local church, and immediately I thought, Justin Geyer. <laughs> Which is a good choice. That's yeah. exactly who I would think yeah, of, too. Yeah. Not that the rest of us don't care, but it's just there's a sort of design. And when I think of family, I think Andrew Walden. So we are very glad that you're on here. We just started this quarterly focus. It'll run January, February, March of this year on family, which is a lot to cover in three months, but is worth covering. And just so you know, with this podcast, the way things will go, Lord willing, over this quarter is we start with some kind of foundational episodes. Last week, I touched on higher level purposes of God in marriage, Christ in the church, God the Father, God the Son. Now we're talking on, I guess you'd call them low, lower level purposes, purposes we experience for marriage and family. And then we have a few episodes that relate to everybody, whether you're married or not, because we do really, we do not want to leave out. If you are single and listening to this, this is not an irrelevant quarter for a variety of reasons. We want to make sure we keep a focus on you as well. And then we will talk about marriage for a few episodes and parenting for a few episodes. So that is the path ahead of us. And to that end, today we are talking about those, I guess, lower level. That seems like a bad way to say it. But purposes we experience in marriage. I'm actually pulling these from the Book of Common Prayer. And the Book of Common Prayer, which kind of forms a basis when we do wedding ceremonies. That's like the traditional set up for a wedding ceremony, even for us today. It says this about family, and this is usually, you know, given as people are getting married. It says this, quote, The union of husband and wife in heart, body, and mind is intended by God, so there's the purpose statement, for their, number one, mutual joy, number two, for the help and comfort given one another in prosperity and adversity. Number three, and when it is God's will, for the procreation of children and their nurture in the knowledge and love of the Lord. So there are three purposes for marriage, or yeah, marriage, but family, more broadly speaking. Number one is joy. Number two is help. Number three has to do with procreation, we're going to call it stability. It's a stable family environment for the raising of children. So let's just start with the first one, which is joy. This is one of God's purposes for marriage is joy. Of course, we're in a fallen world, so families are not all joy, <laughs> except Andrew Walden's family. <laughs> but the rest of our families, your kids are perfect, but in the rest of our families, parents and kids, it's not all joy all the time, but God does mean for it to be a joy. And specifically here with marriage, Marriage is meant to be a joy. So I thought I would just ask you, Andrew, what are some of the ways God means for us to find joy in the marriage relationship? Well, let me start out by saying, children, if you are in the background while mom's listening to this, sorry, but our children are not perfect. Oh, man. <laughs> I thought I thought they were. But, 
But uh, thinking over this question in a way that uh, God means for like marriage specifically to be a joy for us is if you look at even the creation of the world, you have multiple days, one after another, right after another, right after another, of God ending those days and saying, It's good. It is good. And very good. It is very good. Yeah. So you have him saying over and over again that it's good. And then we drop down a little bit. I think it's in chapter two. You read, the one not good in all of creation is that man was alone. So we're not made by God to be on an island. We're not made to, as much as it pains me to say this, we're not made to be introverts. That's us folding into our, our sinful nature. So God created this amazing covenant of marriage. He created the woman as a helpmate, which doesn't mean that she's lesser in any way than the man. It doesn't mean that, you know, we domineer over our wives. What that means is we are too weak to do it by ourselves. So we needed someone to help us. So in our weakness, God made it joyful in us to, for us to have a wife to come alongside us. And you also see that you mentioned in the first podcast of like kind of that Trinitarian view where God has never been alone. He didn't create us because he was lonely. He's always had three persons in one. He's never had a moment where he has been alone. And so you also see that in, if we're the Imago Dei, we're being created in the image of God, then we have that characteristic as well where we don't like loneliness. We don't like being alone. So there's a joy in making sure that you have that partner with you coming alongside you the whole time. Excellent. And it is interesting because in terms of companionship, God also provides men and men having these companionship relationships, you and I, I mean, other those kinds of friendships. And I don't want to minimize those. Those are very significant. But there's something different in marriage. Yeah, and I, I mean, the helper, it's the cheesy line, you complete me. But that's very biblical. I mean, there's a biblical sense to that where it's not good for a man. And for some men, it's very not good to be alone for some of us. Not good for a man to be alone. And God provides this helper who comes alongside. And there's a great joy in that meshing together and completing. And yeah, and it, there is something on a deeper level with your spouse. Because yeah. like I even think about, you know, Bryce, you could come to me and you could rebuke me for something in a loving way or an unloving way. And it's gonna it's gonna sting a little bit, but I'll be able to get through my day. My wife gives me the wrong look, and I'm just crushed. Like there's just something at a deeper level than just you know having your 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 friends around you or things like that. There's this genuine you want to make this person happy, you want to live in joy with this person. Yeah. I mean, you're in my relationship does not reflect Christ in the church mm-hmm. in the same way you're in Jessica's relationship yeah. does. And it does seem like God designed it that way then to be the most powerful, closest relationship, bringing joy and its opposite. <laughs> I feel like I need to caveat that with when Jess gives me that look, it <laughs> <Yeah>. is always <laughs> necessary and Keep correct. Keep doing that, Jess. <laughs> we need that. We need that look. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> we'll have an episode on intimacy later too, but that's a part of that oneness too. And I always find it so interesting that the Song of Solomon is in the Bible. Mm-hmm which, you know, some people have used badly to make it almost perverse, you know. So don't do that with the Song of Solomon. The Puritans took the opposite approach and (laughs) very puritanically (laughs) made it just about Christ and the church as if it didn't mean anything else than that to be proper, you know. Uh, But it does. Um, But that's a part of the joy, too. I, I think of when Adam first sees Eve 
they're both naked and unashamed. There's nothing perverse or bad about this. Not, it's just God had designed them differently from each other, and that was part of the joy. I remember Ernie preaching on, in Genesis on when Adam first sees Eve, because in the Hebrew, it's Ish is man, and then he, the woman is called Isha, so you just put an ah at the end. But we'll always remember Ernie with Ish, Isha, <laughs> you know. And the English pun is like, whoa, man, you know. So it's going to be called woman because, mm-hmm. whoa, man, you know, especially before the fall. This is just such a good thing, so much joy, which we can lose sight of in some of the harder parts of marriage. So good to remember. Well, moving from that first purpose of joy to the next, which is help, which we've talked a little bit about. Mm-hmm. But Jessica's in your life to help you because you need help, man. (laughs) (laughs) I need a lot of help. (laughs) You need help. I need help. God's given us some help. So how does God mean for marriage to provide help? And uh, the Book of Common Prayer talks about help and comfort. So how does God mean for marriage to provide help and comfort to spouses? So, I mean, it's, it's kind of obvious. We've kind of gone off the rails in our culture on this obvious stance but men and women are made in completely different ways like we complement each other in almost every way so I I mean you think of the wife being the weaker vessel we're talking about physically they're weaker than us there's going to be exceptions to the rules always however the primary point of that is to show that we as men were built in a way by God to be the stronger vessel so we can be the protector. We can be the provider. We can fulfill the things that he's told us to fulfill. So that's, that's one way that there there's help there. Like we're, we're complimenting each other. My wife has the ability to understand emotion much better than I do. There's a joke there that I could throw out, but I'm going to leave that one alone. <laughs> but that that's true, and I'm going to say a majority of marriages. Like, there is an emotional side. There's an empathy that women are created by God to have that men do not. So we need that to be helpful. I, I mean, you can even go down, drill down. I always joke that Jess is the, the keeper of the calendar in our, our house because I have the ability to kind of manage my schedule. My wife is amazing at managing everybody's schedule. She has that ability to keep our home as she's called to do within the word that I would not be able to do. Yeah, and I mean, the help, you know, (laughs) Lord willing, what do you think of this, Michaela? It goes both ways. (laughs) The wife is the helper Mm -hmm. in the most literal sense. But even these vows, when it talks about help, obviously has reference to that. And, but God designed the help and comfort. There's a sense in which there's a mutuality to it where Jessica is greatly helped by you and comforted by you. And, you know, when Scripture talks about when two are walking together, if one falls, the other one picks them up. Mm-hmm. And that can be, again, non-marriage relationships. But there is something, marriage relationship. you live together. So I per- personally, one of my great weaknesses, it, before I was married, if I was really having a hard time, nobody knows about it. Just me and my depressed little self and try to get over it all by myself so nobody knows. Don't burden anybody with it. And you can't really do that in marriage. I mean, you can try, but your spouse comes to figure out if you're having a bad day, you know, especially a wife, she knows. And so that's one of the help and comfort. That And goes both ways too. So I think a great example of this is John and Kara Wells. I think of the last years of their lives where we had COVID going on, both of them were in pretty poor health. 
they both made a decision that they were going to stay at the home and live out the, f- the final days of their lives together, helping each other. So they stayed in their home. They were able to help each other out all the way through till the end for John. And then after that point, Carol began coming back to church. But there was a beautiful picture there of them both understanding they're both going to need each other to get through these final days. And they chose to dedicate their lives to each other, but more importantly, to the glory of God. They didn't just hide in their house or anything like that. They still connected with people that they could. They still connected with their family. They were still a shining, amazing example of God's goodness and God's glory to them to the last day for John. But it's just, I think of them and I think of, if you want to look at a a marriage that exemplifies joy and help in the way that a marriage should, it's those two people. That's very well said. How true that is. You know, someone who's listening to this, let's say they're, for any number of reasons, not in the married state. And that could be Carol, you know, where her husband has gone to glory before her, so she is now single. Or it could be someone who really wants to be married, there's no prospect, or it just hasn't happened, not married. Or someone who's quite content not being married, it's just single, or a divorcee, or so any of those. And here we are talking about how much joy and help there is in marriage. And it's true. And we do not take any of it back. But let's talk for a second about someone who's listening to this and they don't have marriage. So are they missing out on a bunch of joy and help that they need because they don't have a spouse? So no. Um, You you clearly see Paul writing about this multiple times. But one of the things that you see with Paul is that being single is actually a giftedness. It shouldn't be viewed as being lesser than the married couple. It should be viewed as God has given you a, a very unique gift and an ability that some might not have. And on top of that, you also see Paul explaining that because you are single, you're, you're unhindered and unburdened by very earthly things. So, for example, if I were to decide, hey, I'm going to go to the deepest part of Africa— there's going to have to be years and years of planning for that for me because I'm going to have to figure out what's that going to do to affect my kids? How am I going to make sure my kids still have education? How am I going to make sure my kids are still taken care of? How am I going to make sure my kids are healthy? And on top of that, if we go there and all those plans fall apart, then I'm more worried about what's going on with my children than the mission that God's called me to. And the same thing for my wife. I have to worry about my wife's protection. I have to worry about providing for my wife. I have to worry about all the things that are encompassed in that with that mission field for my wife. Whereas if I were single and I feel that calling, I have to worry about how I'm going to raise funds for myself, which is going to be a lot quicker than for six people, and then just go to the field. And once I get to the field, I don't have to look around for where Jeremy's running to. I don't have to look around for where Charlotte's, you know, what random snake Charlotte's playing with today. Like I can worry about, what mission God has given me for this for this moment in my life. Mm, that's excellent. Even in the local context, that's true. That's I think maybe most clear when someone's going overseas because of the number of questions and things you have to work out. And there are many families who do, praise God. But you're right, it adds a complexity to it. If you're a single guy, just go. <laughs> you know, <laughs> just go, you know. I also don't want to minimize like within the culture that we live today, I can understand like the anxiety and possibly the pain of feeling of the feeling of being single. But at the same time, there is genuinely a gift and a blessing in that, Mm -hmm. that some might not even realize. 
Yeah, when I think back on my own singleness before I was married, it's been about seven years now. You know, on the one hand, I'm not saying this is ideal. I'm just telling you this is how it was. I was really discouraged, <laughs> which has, tends to be my default, you know, and very lonely, very discouraged. But what's it, So that's internally what was happening. But what's interesting is when I look back then, wow, I was serving in everything. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't exactly feel that way as much because you could. Mm -hmm. You could just go to everything and it's fine. You go do help youth group, go Wednesday night, you know. And now there's a sense in which with the joy and the help, I, I am for the most part more encouraged just having someone regularly. Mm -hmm. And if you're extroverted, maybe it's not a problem for you, okay? But it was for me. On the other hand, <laughs> you know, if I wanted to do something on a Wednesday night, and I apologize if you've ever asked to do something with me on a Wednesday <laughs> night, we can do it. But wow, the logistics, the logis and especially, <laughs> I always think when you have two married couples with kids trying to get together, <laughs> it is like, I'll see wow. you in six months. Yeah, I, mean, it really, I mean, that's almost not even the joke. I mean, that's almost legitimately, mm -hmm. it's going to be months, you know, it's going to be months. And so, yeah, Paul actually said singleness is better. So I guess if we're going to say one is better than the other, it's singleness. If mm -hmm. you're gifted for it, that's better. It's better to have that freedom. Life is short. Use it. Serve the Lord wholeheartedly. But you can see that there are, in a sense, pros and cons to each one. And so, yeah, someone who's listening, you are missing out on some of the joy of marriage and the help of marriage. But you also are benefiting. I know it's easy to say being married because we're enjoying those things. But looking back, truly, you're benefiting from a kind of freedom that's not there when you're married, you know, with kids especially. Uh, the last thing here, so joy, help. The final thing here I'm calling stability. It comes from that third purpose mentioned in the Book of Common Prayer. And when it is God's will for the procreation of children and their nurture in the knowledge and love of the Lord. So marriage itself is meant to be a stable place for family with children to take place. Um, I like how the Book of Common Prayer says, when it is God's will, meaning not everyone will be able to have children. So that's a reality in this life, and you're not any worse off if you can't in God's sight. It's just how that is. But there's still an ideal here, you know, even though not every situation lives up to the ideal you have people who've lost a spouse and remarried and there's a mixed family you have all kinds of scenarios but it is important to go back to the uh, ideal if you will which god intended adam and eve to be married and that is a stable environment for when it's god's will having children and the children are raised in the nurture and admonition of the lord in that environment culture is really attacking that ideal which is why it's important to reinforce and reassert it Culture wants to say that marriage can be just about anything, um, but it cannot. Family as well. So the question I have for you is, in what ways does God intend the family to be a stable environment for children, but really for all its members? And what does that look like when it's happening? So one of the first ways that it's a, it's a stable environment, we often misunderstand the purpose of the church for our children. And we often think that the purpose of the church is to teach our children about God, which it is. However, that's not the primary location that the, the teaching of God is given to our children. 
it's supposed to be a supplement to what they're already learning at home. And so to have a stable environment for your children to learn and understand and, and take joy in God is, is vitally important. And one of the ways that that comes about is you have, you know, family devotions. I'm not going to give like, you have to have, you know, X number. If you're, if you're teaching your children in some way, that's a family devotion. By the way that you're living your life, that's a family devotion. If you pray before your meals, that's a way of doing family devotion. If you're constantly talking about the Lord, that's a way of family devotion. So having that environment where, you know, the name of the Lord is not awkward to hear. Seeing mom and dad pray is not awkward to see. Knowing that when mom and dad go to, you know, the office or the living room and sit in that one chair in that one spot and they open up their word that, that you're not allowed to bother mom and dad, that not being an odd thing, but just being a scheduled normal thing, that's a stable environment. So that's one way that, that stability is required. Another way of stability being required is being uh, open and honest within your family. Like kids coming to you with any question, any question at all. I think Tommy Nelson uh, one time was talking and he said that his, his, I think it was his son came up to him and had a question about um, having doubts really about something within Christianity. And he came to his dad and said, dad, I've got, I've got a question. I just need to know that you're not going to be mad. And Tommy's like, no, I'm not going to be mad. And he asked him the question. It was kind of a shocking question to Tommy Nelson. But at the same time, his son had enough stability in his life and enough stability within that relationship that the kid could come to him and say, hey, this is what I'm struggling with at my heart. Can you help me with this? But if you don't have that stable environment within your home to where you can have these open and honest conversations, then one, you're probably might be raising a Pharisee that's, that's terrified to make the wrong step or take the wrong choice. Um, but if, if they're not willing to do those things, there might be something rocky within that stability that, that needs to be identified. Not saying you're failing every, I mean, we're all sinful fallen people. There's going to be some things you have to work out throughout your days, but however, having an environment where your kids feel comfortable, happy and your wife, I keep saying kids, your wife as well. Mm -hmm. Your wife needs to be in that stability as well. It's not just you lording over it, but having your wife comfortable with, with how you're raising your family and things like that is also vitally important. Someone listening to this may have had a very low view of family coming into this podcast, maybe because of bad experiences you've had. You've just thought marriage and family stink. Or on the other hand, maybe you have too high a view of marriage and family and think it's the ultimate end of everything. Well, whatever the case might be in the past, may God help us all now by his grace to think this way. Mm-hmm.